0: Well, thank you, choir. Thank you, Diane, for leading us. If I were to sing that song, I would sing it just like that, if I had that kind of voice, but I don't. So, if you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Nehemiah. It is right in the middle of Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. It's in the Old Testament. It's kind of tricky to find. So, um, it's going to take a few weeks for you to get used to me, and me to get used to you, and uh, I'm pumped up about that. So, here's, uh, just, I want to say this before I start, that I believe, as many of you do, with all my heart, that this is God's Word. I believe it has power. Hebrews says, it's alive, it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And so, if that's the case, if God's given us His Word, it only makes sense that during this time that we listen to what He's saying through His Word. Now here's how that happens. It can happen many ways, but, but I think it's special when we as believers bring our Bibles to, God's, to, to the church house. And I know that sometimes it's inconvenient or whatever, but I just think that on your way to the church, Maybe not at your house, young parents, but, but when I was growing up, Sunday morning before church was like the most intense spiritual battle of the week. Like, my parents had the worst fights, my dad ran off the road, I mean, it was crazy. My mom would put on her makeup on the way to church, and sometimes she would, uh, when the kids were misbehaving, she'd do the swing behind the seat kind of thing. You guys know what I'm talking about? Very politically incorrect, but I don't care. Uh, that's, what, that's what she did, and most of her kids turned out okay. Um, but so it's a battle. So I think it makes sense. If you bring the Word of God, if it's like in your car, or if you have it walking to church, then every demon along the way, they see it. And it keeps them away. Uh, I believe it's powerful. It's, it's, this is what the enemy is afraid of. And so if your heart's broken this morning, guess what can help you? It's not the new preacher, but it's God's Word through the power of His Holy Spirit. If there's a stronghold in your life, you know what takes, it, takes out that stronghold? The Word of God. And so uh, I just want to ask you, now look, if you forget your Bible, please don't be uh, feel guilty for that. The past two weeks I got to be a normal person and I got to go to church and, and I forgot my Bible two weeks ago. And so I, don't, I think if we don't have our Bible with us, the Lord's not mad at us. We're free in Christ. It's not about what we can do anyway. It's about what he can do. So just want to tell you that, that, that if you can, please bring your copy. If you don't have one this morning, that's okay because I've got one. We can share. And uh, it's just something powerful when you have this now. I know some young people, well, I've got my cell phone. Well, yes, and if you don't have your copy of a paper copy, then please use the phone or the iPad or whatever. But I will say with that, if you're like me and you have ADD, Triple D, D, all that stuff, Then you're distracted easy, and so, and I know some of you men, you want to check your fantasy football points and all that, because the Saints are playing at 12 today, and so if you need to do that, do it, but then come back to the Word, okay? But we uh, we tapped this week, we installed something on the internet, so if you're checking your fantasy football, like the theme song of Monday Night Football will go off, did you guys know that? Out loud on your phone. Just kidding, I'm joking. But in all seriousness, this is God's Word. And He's got a Word for you through this. I just want to encourage you, as much as I can, uh, to try to remember to bring it. If you don't, use your phone. Use the ESV app or the NASV app, the New King James, whatever you have on your device. Um, Please don't be legalist. Don't be looking around. Did so-and-so bring their Bible? Because that would defeat your purpose. You know, that's not what it's about. So Nehemiah chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 20 of chapter 4, but I just want to tell you a little bit about Nehemiah. Normally, we would start in the beginning of a book and go through a book of the Bible together. Uh, Until Christmas, we may be just a couple different places, especially the holiday season. You guys got a new pastor and all that stuff. And so uh, we'll be a few different places. So Nehemiah, let me tell you a little bit about him to refresh you. Or you may have not even ever heard of Nehemiah. That's okay too. You're in the right place today. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. He brought the morning coffee to the king of Persia. He squeezed the oranges and made his, his orange juice for the king. cupbearer was very trusted. And he had to be trusted. Why? Because a lot of people tried to assassinate the king. And a lot of times when the cupbearer took the wine to the king or other beverages. He was just a butler that took care of the beverages for the king. He would have to taste it himself in the presence of the king. Why? To prove that this is okay. Well, Nehemiah was faithful and he was a trusted man. And the world would look at this guy and say, well, he's, a, he's just a, a man of obscurity. He's just a servant. He's just a, you know, Whatever. But he was trusted. And God was, God was preparing him to do something great. And so, uh, in chapter 1, some guys brought some bad news. And the news was that the Jewish people and that the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down and burned. That's bad news. Because the Jewish people were God's people. You understand that all over the earth, this was God's chosen people. That the God would choose the lineage of the Messiah of the whole world through these people. And so Nehemiah, he was broken hearted. Have you ever had bad news? So Nehemiah, he was broken. He was sad. And one day the king saw that he was sad. And the king asked Nehemiah, why are you so sad? Nehemiah was terrified because normally kings, especially wicked ones, they don't ask the cupbearer how they feel that day. And so this, this was a special moment. So something special about Nehemiah. He was trustworthy and not only was he the, he the cupbearer, he was the friend to the king. Aren't you glad this morning, some of you, that you're a friend of the king? And so Nehemiah was sad and the king said, why are you sad? He said, This is why my people are in trouble. The king said, what do you want to do? Nehemiah was very bold. He said, well, ideally, I'd like to go help them. And so the king said, okay, go. And so the king gave Nehemiah some men. He gave him a fancy passport and some documents, helped him get through different states, cross the borders, Nehemiah shows up, he spies out the wall at night, inspects it, figures out what they need to do. Next day, he tells all of the Jewish people the plan. They get organized. Everyone has a specific task to accomplish. And Nehemiah went from the cold marble tiles of the palace to the dusty hot streets of Jerusalem. Sometimes God calls us out of our comfort zone. Nehemiah traded his hand towel in for a sledgehammer. God's work being done always brings adversity. So we'll intro like this. Opposition brings opportunity. So if you have a listening guide, by the way, I'm sorry, getting ahead of myself. Have this little purple insert in your bulletin. Some people are note takers, some are not. I personally am not because I can't do two things at one time. Seriously, men struggle with that. Ladies can do 17 things at one time. But So if you're a note taker, that guide is in the bulletin. Follow along and we will help you fill in some blanks. So opposition brings opportunity for the Lord to do wonders among us by His power through our work and His Word. You got it? So let's see what happens. Nehemiah chapter 4. We will read, uh, we will work through verses 1 through 20. But we'll start out and we'll go a few verses at a time, okay? Verse 1. Now, when Sambalit heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said to them, in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. God's people face opposition. So the first section, a call to build. These guys are getting ready to build, to do God's work. And we see that God's people face opposition. Sembalet and Tobiah, they were Sim, uh, reminds me of Sinbad off Popeye. You guys remember Popeye? The sailor man? Sinbad reminds me of this guy. He's just a big bully. He's a he's uh rude, and he's sticking his nose in the wrong place. And they start tearing down Nehemiah, trying to. Interrupt him, trying to distract him. And look at what Nehemiah does. He didn't respond on social media. He didn't call his great aunt Sally and complain. He does what he should do. He prays. So God's people pray. Verse 4 and 5. Look at it. Hear our God, for we are despised, turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and do not let their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. That's quite a prayer. That is bold. He says, God, turn back their taunts on themselves. Look at verse 6. God's people have a mind to work. So we built the wall in all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Wow. God's people had a mind to work. In chapter 3, they all have certain assignments. They have a certain gate they're responsible for. They're organized. And so Nehemiah is counting on all these people to do their part. I know about Bay St. Louis a long time ago. I'm from Mississippi. I grew up going to GBA, Gulf Shore Baptist Assembly, to music camp. I know all about it. I I heard about it. First time I went on summer missions, I I did my orientation at Gulf Shore Baptist Assembly right across the bridge. And so, I'm not going to talk about the hurricane every week, by the way. I just want to let you know where I'm coming from. So when Katrina came through, the storm that we greatly respect, the media, a lot of cities complained and blamed people and blamed the government. They should have been blaming the devil and sin, but they blamed all these other people. And you heard a lot of noise coming out of a lot of places. But you know what you heard out of Bay St. Louis? You heard the sound of hammers and shovels. And people going to work. God's people have a mind to work. Let's read on. Verse 7. But when Samballot and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites and heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. Why did these people, why were they so upset? Well, I have a theory. Not only was it a strategic thing for the Jewish people to have a wall, but I think there was a spiritual battle going on. Because Satan was at work. And darkness hates the light. Darkness hates the light. There was a battle. Today there's a battle going on in your home, at your workplace, in our culture, in the city, at your school. There's a battle. There is a war raging. Now the reality is, is that Jesus Christ has already won the war. But the enemy is like a snake that's been killed, but he can still bite and hurt people. You guys know what I'm talking about? And so we see a call to remember. Verse 10. Wait, I, I skipped verse 9. Let's go back. Rewind. Verse 9. We already read the verse. And we prayed to our God and said, a guard is a protection against them day and night. So God's people use common sense. God's people use common sense. Some of you uh, people that are like, type A personality, you were so nervous that I wasn't going to go back and get that blank. My wife is like that. She's just by the book, and I'm grateful. If you didn't, Men, if you didn't marry over your head, then I don't think much of you. So, but, but we all married way over our heads. So God's people use common sense. Common sense is a fruit of the Spirit. So they prayed for protection, and then what did they do? They set a guard as a protection all day and night. You know the guy that lives in a rough neighborhood that says, I'm just going to leave my doors unlocked and just trust that God's going to protect my house? Well, God may do that, but God also may allow someone to rob you because He gave you a brain that says, lock your door. So God gives us common sense. Okay, moving on. A call to remember. Verse 10 through 13. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble by ourselves. We will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall and open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. A call to remember. Our lack of faith produces fear. The Jewish people, they went from being excited, working hard, seeing like every, all the stars lining up, like they knew God was helping them build this wall. They only had 52 days. Those of you that work on construction sites, and work for companies that build things. You know, 52 days to build the walls of Jerusalem, this huge landmass. It's not enough time. They didn't even have electricity, by the way. They didn't have enough time. So God was at work doing something supernatural. And the Jewish people, they recognized it. And so they went from being excited to being overwhelmed by the Lord to all of a sudden they started reading the newspaper. They started looking at what everyone and their uh, grandma and everyone else uh, was saying about this work to be done, they started listening to the bullies. They started listening to the voices of the culture. They started listening to all of the things, and they forgot God's voice. They forgot what the Lord had said. So our lack of faith produces fear. When we walk in our, when I walk in my flesh. I realize that I become incredibly insecure. I become uh, I doubt things that God has said. But when we walk in the spirit, we become incredibly fearless. When we walk in the spirit, we we have peace. We, We believe that the Lord is with us. So verse 14 Great faith produces courage. And let's see what it says, verse 14. Now, if you need a verse to go in your house, this is one for the ages. This is a verse right here. Look at verse 14. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I just that's, that's an epic verse. Nehemiah, he's literally telling them to fight should that have to happen. But a great application from this is that if there's a battle raging today in our families, in our homes, then we need to remember the Lord who's great and awesome and powerful. And we need to fight for what's right. We need to, grandparents. You need to fight for your grandkids. You need to pray for your grandkids. You need to pray circles around them. Pray a hedge of protection around them spiritually and physically. So how do we fight? Well, I wish I had time to just go into this more, but just a few simple ways is to pray. Not like a uh, out loud religious. Fancy prayer where everyone hears you, but just between you and the Lord at home or driving down the road, when you pray, it moves the hand of God. That's mysterious. And why does God use the prayers of His people to accomplish His task when He's already sovereign over everything and He can do it Himself? He wait. It's a mystery, but that's how God works. And so prayer. It's one way we fight. Another way is we fight using the Word of God. Now, some sometimes, well, a lot of times, the only time we open this is on Sunday mornings. If the only time that you open up your Bible is on a Sunday morning, you're not going to be a very big threat to the enemy during the week. If the only time that you open your Bible on Sunday is Sunday morning, then you're not going to be a, a very big threat because... The word is how we the Spirit fills us up, fills our cup. You'll we'll be filled with the Spirit. Say clean and close to the Lord. And you do that by feeding upon the Word of God. Well, if you miss a few weeks and you haven't spent time in the Word, the Lord's not mad at you. He just wants you to come back. So if have a daily time with the Lord. If you're a morning person, you probably should have your time with the Lord in the morning. If you're a night owl like myself and you have kids that keep you up all night, then do it at night. If you're a middle-of-the-day person, have your time with the Lord in the middle of the day. You need a place. You need a, a chair or a certain place in your house or your backyard or on your porch. You're welcome to come up to the church and have your time if you need to. But you need a place. My wife, Allison, growing up, middle school and high school, this place um, was in her bedroom where she met with the Lord on the floor. That just was her place. That's actually where I proposed, by the way. The Lord gave me that idea. I'll give Him credit for that. But you need a place. You need a time. You need a place. You need some things. You need a copy of the Bible. If you don't have one, you can go to to Fred's. You can go to Walmart. You can go to Lifeway. You can order it online. There's probably some other places you can get a copy of the Word of God. So you need a Bible. Maybe a Devo. You don't have to have a Devo. A Devo is just a guide to help you go through the Bible. But you have the Spirit of God, and He's your guide. So you need a time, a place. You need some tools, maybe a journal, Bible. Take a pen. Look for truths in God's Word. Look to apply those to your life. Maybe you're an artist. And so instead of writing down things, sentences, draw draw how you feel. Whatever the Lord's saying to you, draw it out. God speaks. He, He speaks every day. God's always speaking. He never stops speaking through His Word. Well, well, Brett, I need to hear a voice. Well, you don't need a voice because He's already given you a word through His Word. By the way, if the Lord did start speaking to you out loud, you'd probably be terrified and die. But, so be careful what you ask for. So you need a place. What else? I didn't plan on saying all of this, by the way. You need a place. You need a time. You need a Bible. You know, something that helps me is a Beverage. Seriously, we should enjoy our time with the Lord. Sometimes I drink a Mountain Dew Code Red. One of the best drinks ever. It's Terrible for you. But I, I try to do it in moderation about once a week. Drink one of those. They're, they're horrible for you, but I like it. Um, coffee. If that you're a coffee person, if you're a tea person, then you don't have to, but should not we enjoy our time with the Lord? It should be your best time of your day. You know, if... If all of us spent time with the Lord every day, every demon on this bay would know it. They'd be shaking in their boots. In fact, they're nervous because we're talking about this right now. The Spirit of God is inside of believers. And there's no hierarchy in the kingdom. The pastor has the same spirit that any member in this church has. And the same access to God. That's what makes us different as New Testament Christians. Great faith produces courage. So about fighting for your homes, about fighting for your marriage, about fighting for your kids, about fighting for your family. I heard this and honestly, I thought it was hilarious and I have to share it. If you're going to fight, fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's Ark. I'll say it again, for those of you that are kind of slow. If if you're going to fight, Fight like you're the third monkey on the ramp to Noah's ark. And brother, it's starting to rain. Next we see a call to unify. Let's see what happens. Chapter 4, verse 15. I lost my place. Oh, I'm in Ezra. That's not good. By the way, in Ezra, since we're there, since I'm there, when Ezra read the word of God, you know what people did? He stood up to respect the word. Isn't that cool? We can stand up at a football game all day, but we won't stand for the word. I'm, I'm getting way out of my lane here. Verse 15. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, We all returned to the wall, each to his work. Verse 16. From that day on, half my servants worked on construction, and half held the spears and shields and bows and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. And those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Verse 19 Verse 19 says, In this, "He said to the nobles and to the officials, that the work is great and is widely spread out. and we're separated. We're far from one another." Nehemiah was thinking a safety, security mindset. But this applies to us spiritually. When the people of God are separated, it brings vulnerability. So separation brings vulnerability. Let's make sure we stick together. Through thick and thin, let's be together, okay? We don't have to like each other, but we're commanded to love each other. We don't have to agree, but we're commanded to respect each other. Separation brings vulnerability. Look at verse 20. Last verse. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. When the trumpet sounds, rally together and wait on God. When one of us hurts, the people of God, we all hurt. That's how it is in the church. We feel for each other. We're burdened for each other. So when the trumpet sounds, when tragedy strikes, let's come to get let's rally together, and let's wait on God. I heard that's what you guys did when you guys prayed over James and Mary a few weeks ago. That's what you did. You rallied together, and you prayed and sought the Lord on their behalf. That's what family does. So in closing, Nehemiah, he had a burden, he cared. And so he started following the Lord and, and you see through this passage that sometimes people, even his own people, even people that were supposed to be, have his back, even his family, and even the, the other Jewish people started saying, you know, maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe, this, maybe the, the critics, maybe they're right. Maybe this is just a bad idea and we don't need to do this. And sometimes when we follow the Lord, our own people will not understand. And they may even discourage us. And then those people that don't even know the Lord, they will hate us for following the Lord. John chapter 3, verse 20 says, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And so the enemy, he plants seeds of doubt. What did, what did Satan tell Eve in Genesis? He said, did God really say do not eat from that tree. Now you guys have read it. And what did God say? He said clearly, do not eat from that tree. God did not stutter. So the enemy, he's a liar. He's the inventor of lies. He's a liar. It's not personal. He, he really doesn't care anything about you or me. He just hates the Lord. And so the best way to get at the Lord... Is to try to hurt his, to hurt God's children. But we have power over him. You know why? Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And that's the truth. But the problem is, you got to believe that truth. I can say it all day, but you got to believe that. We have to believe that. That if we're born again, we are declared holy and righteous. And the Lord lives inside of us. The Lord protects his people. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is exciting. Jesus said it, not CNN or Fox News. Jesus Christ, the king of the whole universe, said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This tells me, do not mess with God's church. You mess with God's bride, he can take you out. Nehemiah had a burden. He actually cared. Let me ask you this this morning. Do you care? Do I care that there's people in this city and their walls are all broken down? There are families right now in this city and surrounding cities, and there are families being ripped apart by the enemy. There's families in this church right now, probably the vast majority, that are struggling with major things going on. Alcoholism is ruining our culture. Pride and sexual sin is keeping the men of God from being the men of God. Do you care about that this morning? Nehemiah cared, and he cared that God's people were hurting. Listen to this Abraham cared, and he rescued Lot from Sodom. Moses cared, and he delivered the Israelites from Egypt. King David cared, and he brought the nation and the kingdom back to the Lord. Queen Esther cared. She risked her life to save her nation from genocide. Paul cared, and he took the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. And more importantly than all of those people, God cared when He saw that you and I were born into sin, and we had no hope and no chance. And God, seeing the problem, He foreknew and He predestined that God would send His one and only Son that whoever will believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God cared. What do you care about this morning? God is still looking for people who care. People like Nehemiah, who care enough to ask for the facts, to weep over the needs, to pray for God's help, And then to volunteer to get the job done. So this morning, will you, like Isaiah, will you say, here, my Lord, send me? Or do you just want to do church on Sunday mornings and go do whatever you want the rest of the week? God's looking for somebody somewhere to care. This church is a rescue house. It has been and it will be for people that are broken and hurting. So this morning, I hope that God's Word is, that something, some nugget, some seed has landed in your heart and that it, that it continues to grow. That God takes His Word this week, that you'd have a good week. That you would enjoy God's creation. That you would enjoy talking to the Lord and knowing the Lord and sitting back and watching Him move. God's at work. He's at work in our country. Even though our nation is wicked, God is at work. There's a remnant. Just like there was a remnant in the days of Nehemiah, there's a remnant in this country of believers. That is exciting. And it goes beyond just the Baptist church. Oh yeah. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we're about to have a time of invitation. Why do we do that? That's kind of awkward. Well, let me tell you why. Because we believe God's word speaks. And the way that people accept Christ, they call on Him to save them. He, there's things going on in here. Jesus is in the house. And so we're going to have a time of invitation, a time of, for Corey to lead us in worship. And so I'm going to ask Gail to come and play. Corey, somebody? Yeah. Corey, I didn't see you over there. I'm sorry. <clears throat> During this time, there's no need for you to look around and say, I wonder who God's working on this morning. We need to, just like those people of God stayed in, on their gate, on that wall, and on their job, that's what we need to do. We need to focus on our task, not everybody else's. What, what, what does God want me to do? So this morning, as you are here, as God Almighty, by His grace, He's here with us. If you want to pray, please come pray up here. Or you can pray in your seat where you are. If you don't know God, if you have no relationship with Him, you may know a lot about Him. You may There's a frog in my throat. You may know all about the Lord, but you don't know Him. If that's you, walk down the aisle and say, Man, I don't know. And if you don't know, we can get that right. When you go to heaven, God's not going to say, Why'd you get saved twice? I don't think He's going to say that. You need to make sure that you get that nailed down. If you need someone to pray with you, come grab Pastor James by the hands. He'd love to pray with you. You respond to God's Word right now in these moments, however the Lord leads you, okay? I'm going to pray for us. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. God, today we thank You for Jesus. Thank You, God, that You sent a substitute to take away the sins of the world. And God that has created an access to you. So Lord in these moments, would you move God, would you set those free that are captive this morning? God, those that are discouraged. God, would you fan their flame? God, would you encourage them? Lord, I know there's some parents in here that are broken over their children. God, we pray that you would answer their prayers. God, help them to be patient. God, we know there's some grandparents in here that are burdened over their grandkids and their own children. God, would you answer their prayers? What I pray that we would be all in following you, just like Nehemiah. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.